that as the children of God, we do have one who is our enemy, whose sole objective is to pull us away from everything that God desires us to experience and enjoy in this life. The devil is a liar. In fact, the Bible says he is The father of all lies. And he is a deceiver. And he loves to take the truth of God's word and lie into our hearts concerning it. And deceive us in order to get us to disbelieve it and not to live by it. My friend, God's word is 100% true. It is full of life. It is more important to us than that cup of coffee first thing in the morning. I know some people say to me, John, I'm I'm no good until I've had my first coffee. I'm no good. I'm I'm just still asleep. We need to know that the word of God is more important than that first coffee. We need to have the word of God in that place of priority in our lives that we live by it. Daily, it is the source of our strength. It is the source of our life. It is the source of our hope. And I want to encourage you, read it. It's a good book. (laughs) Believe it. It is 100% true. And live it. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live the word of God. Sometimes we open it and maybe we don't understand it. Maybe we find what we read to be so difficult. It is the Holy Spirit who is the author of this book. Who will also be the one that empowers us to live by it. I remember so clearly when I was maybe in my early 20s. And I read the the, the words that Jesus spoke in Matthew. And he said, forgive. He says, if you forgive, my heavenly father will forgive you. If you will not forgive, my heavenly father cannot forgive you. I found that word so hard. I honestly did. Because there were people in my life who I felt had offended me. And I felt justified to not forgive them. But God's word said, if I don't forgive them, my heavenly father cannot forgive. Forgive me. I didn't know how to forgive. I didn't have the strength in my heart to do it. I felt that these people had hurt me so deeply that they did not deserve me forgiving them. And so I cried out to God and I said, Holy Spirit, 
I have to have your help. I cannot live without knowing that God has forgiven me. And I tell you the truth, my friends. The power of the Holy Spirit was there to help me forgive. If we will take God's word and if we will desire to live by it, here is a guarantee. The Holy Spirit will help us. He will empower us. He will enable us to do what God has told us to do. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives as Jesus Christ loves the church and gave himself for her. Wives, that's a good place for you to shout amen. If husbands, if, if we could love our wives in that, in that way, they would be happy girls. They really would. And you say, how on earth do we do that? You say, but God didn't know what my wife is like when he said that I had to love her in this way. Oh, yes, he did. And he still said it. The Bible says, wives, respect and submit to your husbands, your own husbands, And husbands, that's a good, yeah, we've got an amen here. The wives say, but God didn't know my husband when he said that. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And if we will say to God, God, I want to live by your word. I want to love my wife like Jesus loves me. I want to respect and submit to my husband. And the Holy Spirit will empower us as long as we resist it. As long as we come up with excuses, as long as we convince ourselves that it doesn't work, as long as we convince ourselves that God is talking to everybody except me, we will not experience the power of the Holy Spirit. I have people say to me, Pastor, I don't know that I've ever sensed the power of the Holy Spirit. I say, have you obeyed what God has told you to do? Well, that's hard. It is hard, but it's possible. My friends, love God's word. Live by it. Feed upon it. Let your life be grounded in it. Read it, believe it, and do it. Praise God. In Matthew chapter 6, we have recorded there how Jesus was teaching his disciples in what manner they should pray. And part of that illustration In verse 10 says this, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. My my word, that is a prayer we should pray every day. God in my life, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done just as it is in heaven. That is a good prayer. To pray. That is a prayer that God listens to and God helps and assists us. But that is a prayer also that as a church we need to pray God, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. And this is our key Bible quote for our message today. There is one thing. That I want us to focus on today that the devil lies to us about. 
This is the truth that the church has a role to play in this world. And that role is this, to lead those that are lost into the kingdom of God. That is the commission of the church. It was the commission 2,000 years ago. And my friends, it hasn't changed. It is still the command of God. For those who say they are followers of Jesus Christ individually and collectively, that we should be employed in leading lost souls into the kingdom of God. You know, sometimes I have been praying, I have been bringing my requests with thanksgiving as it says in Philippians 3, to God. I've been asking God to answer my prayers and I've suddenly become conscious that God wants to answer my prayers through me. Have you ever done that? Maybe you've been praying for somebody to be saved. Oh God, I pray for my co-worker. God, they're, they're such a heathen. They have no time for you. They curse and swear. They take your name in vain. They speak blasphemous words. Their, their, their language is so contaminated by sin. And you're praying for God to save them. And God knocks on your heart and says, I want to use you to reach those people. Well, as we pray, your kingdom come and your will be done. I believe that that is one of those prayers that God says, you be the answer. You bring the kingdom of God to those people. That's why we go into the remote areas of the Himalayas. We don't go there because the scenery is great. We don't go there because we like the challenge of being able to hike for 21 days nonstop. We go there because there are people living in those places today who have never heard of Jesus Christ and we believe that they deserve to hear you see as a church we not only pray your kingdom come but we're willing to put ourselves in the place where God can use us to bring his kingdom into being the role of the church is this to lead a lost world into the kingdom of God. What does it mean to live in God's kingdom? If the role of the church, let's personalize it. If your role and my role is to bring people into an experience that changes their life as they discover God's kingdom, then what does it mean for us, for those to live in God's kingdom? God's kingdom is where God's reign and God's rule exists. It is where his will is done. That is God's kingdom.
It's not a geographic place. It is a way of living. And we as the children of God are called to live in God's kingdom. What does that mean? That means that we are called to place our lives under the reign and the rule of God. We are called to be a people that choose the will of God in our lives over our own. Jesus lived and brought the kingdom of God to this earth. He didn't just talk about it. He talked about it. He illustrated it. But even more than that, he lived it. He knew what exists in God's kingdom. Therefore, he knew what his life was all about. I wonder whether we do. Do we know the purpose of our life? Jesus did. Throughout all of his life, Jesus demonstrated and illustrated the kingdom of God. We read that just before he was crucified, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. I don't know if you've ever stopped to imagine what that experience was like for Jesus. Right before him, just a few hours ahead, he knew, he knew that he would be rejected by his followers, he would be falsely accused. He would be taken through a false court of law. He would be scourged. He would be beat. He would be treated physically so painfully and disrespectfully. Ultimately, he would be crucified. But above all of that, he knew that he would be the Lamb of God. Taking away the sin of the world. Praise God, none of us will ever have to go through that. Because he did it once and for all. Can you imagine the terror and the horror? For Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. Facing the prospect of being separated from his Father. All of his life, the book of Hebrews tells us, chapter 5, verse 7, he had prayed with strong, vehement cries to the one that could save him because he was in horror of the thought of being separated from his father. And now right before him is the reality that this is going to happen as he becomes sin in our place. A thought came into his mind. I wonder if there is some other way. I wonder if there is a way that we can accomplish 
this. That we can redeem humanity from sin. That we can break the power of sin. I wonder if there is some other way so that I don't have to experience this. That thought came into Jesus' mind. But then he said, My father, not what I want, but your will be done. That is what's called bringing the kingdom of God to earth. Where we lay down our will, our choices, our preferences, our fears, our anxieties. And we say, God, in order to bring your kingdom into this earth, not what I want, but what you want. That, my friend, is the kingdom of God. And it doesn't have to be that we're facing crucifixion or persecution. It could be as simple as it was for me many years ago when I was faced with having to forgive those people that I felt had offended me. I had a choice to make. I either continued to live in my own way, (laughs) carrying unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment towards those people, Or I chose to let the kingdom of God reign and forgive those people. It can be as close as home as our family, our marriage relationship, where our spouse has done something that we find deeply offensive. Do we let that stay in between us? Do we we pull out our silence weapon? Hey, husbands and wives, never use that. You know what I'm talking about. Well, I didn't call them names. I didn't shout at them. We didn't have an argument. I just didn't talk to them. As if that's even better. It's one of the most spiteful and dangerous and destructive weapons that you can ever use. And if we allow these things to stay in our marriage, in our homes, in our workplace, amongst our relations, in churches, we, we prevent the kingdom of God being established. It's as simple and as close to home as that. I'm not just talking about seeing mass revival throughout the, the nation of South Korea. I'm not just talking about seeing a wave of healing or deliverance or holiness or whatever it is spread throughout the nation. It begins in our own heart and in our own marriages and in our own families where we say, God, not my will. I'm not going to hold on to that bitterness any longer. I'm not going to to be offended one day longer. I'm not going to let what they said separate me from them anymore. I'm going to see the kingdom of God be established in my life. Can you hear me this morning? The kingdom of God is that place where God rules and God reigns and God's will be done. I know I've talked this way with some people before and they said to me, well, I'm, not, I'm just not going to read God's word then. I say, why not? Well, if I don't know what I'm supposed to do, <laughs> I 
I can't be guilty of not doing it. Uh, yeah, whatever. That may not be something that you can stand in front of God and claim on judgment day. There was this woman who lived on the top of a mountain. She was living alone and she needed somebody to be her chauffeur. She needed somebody to drive her. So she put an advert out and three people applied for it. The first one came for the job interview. And one of the questions that the, the old lady asked this, this applicant was, you saw the road that brought you to my house on the top of this mountain. If I gave you the job, how close could you drive me to the edge of the cliff without falling off? The young man replied, I used to be an F1 racing car driver. I'm used to speed and I'm used to taking risks. I could take you within 30 centimeters of that edge and keep you safe. The second young man came and she asked him the same question. He replied, ma'am, I used to be a rally driver. I'm used to driving in these conditions. If you gave me the job, I could take you within 10 centimeters of that edge and keep you safe. The third man came and applied for the job. She asked him the same question and he said, ma'am, if you gave me the job, I wouldn't go anywhere near the edge. I'd keep you as close to the center of the mountain as I could. Guess who got the job? Sometimes as Christians, we try to see how far we can go and get away with things. Instead of determining in our heart that in every area of our lives, we're going to see the kingdom of God established. Don't try to live the best of both lives. There is no best in unrighteousness, unholy living. There is none. I want to encourage you. Discover the kingdom of God for your life. What does God want to reign and rule over in your life that will establish his kingdom in you? Pursue it. Point two. To lead someone there, we must live there ourselves. We will never be able to live, to lead another person into God's kingdom if we do not live there ourselves. It's no good just being a signpost that says, God's kingdom, six kilometers. God hasn't called us to be signposts. He's called us to be people that take people by the hand and say, you want to find out what God's kingdom is like? And you follow me. Peter and John were going to church service one morning. Before they got into the building, they found this sick man, this lame man, who was begging. And he, he, he was asking for some money from them. He had no form of income. You look what uh, Peter said. He, he looked into his eyes. He says, look at me. Look at me. I don't have any silver and gold. I don't have any. But I'm going to give you what I do have. What did he have? He had an understanding and an experience of the kingdom of God. That's what he had. Peter had followed Jesus. Jesus had demonstrated what the kingdom of God is like. He had seen Jesus walk up to lepers, lay hands on them, 
say, be healed and the leprosy disappear. Peter said, my pockets are empty. Just like Pastor John's. My pockets are empty. I don't have any silver and gold. You see, the thing is, silver and gold really wasn't what that man needed. What he needed was an experience of the kingdom of God. People would walk by him, throw him some coins, and it would mean he would survive from one day to another. But what he really needed was a touch of God, the kingdom of God, to touch his body and heal him so that he could go out and get some work and earn some money. Peter says, look at me, take my hand. He says, I don't have silver and gold, but what I have, I'm going to give you, get up and walk. And that man experienced the kingdom of God. My friends, there are people who we know in our lives, in our families, in our workplaces. People that we come into contact with every day. And they may say to us, if only I had a better job. If only my wife loved me. If only, if only. What they really mean but don't know is this. I need the kingdom of God. Someone said to me once, they came and told me that a friend of theirs had just been diagnosed with an illness for which there was no medical cure. And said, what do we say, pastor? I said, you go back to that person. You take them by the hand. You look them straight in the eye. And you say, my friend, are you ready to die? Are you ready to meet Jesus? Because if you're not, you need to be. That is establishing and bringing the kingdom of God into that person's life. In order to lead a person into the kingdom of God, we have got to live there. We've got to know how to get there, what it is like. I visited some good friends of mine, Young and Kelly, when we first moved here. We drove there and and we got there in record time. We had some wonderful fellowship with them. We left a little bit late at night. It was dark. The wind was blowing. It was raining. It was a storm blowing. And yeah, we got lost. We got well and truly lost. And at that time, young Kelly were not driving. They, they could have told me every subway station that I needed to stop at. But that was no good in a car. And so we were on the mobile phone to them. Where are you? We don't know. Well, tell us some signs. And we'd just see a sign. We'd just work out how to pronounce it in Korean, and it was gone. And so we would say, we've just gone past this place. So they were looking on the map, and by the time they'd found it on the map, we were 10 kilometers down the road. And with the greatest respect to my good friends, they couldn't really help us much. (laughs) They didn't know where we were. They didn't know how to lead us back to where we wanted to go. And it's so sad when as Christians, we're surrounded by people who need to experience God's kingdom. But all we've got to offer them is what this world has got. Can you hear me this morning? This is what the kingdom of God is all about. This is what the role of the church is. I want to ask this question. What are we busy with? What is, what is our life taken up with? You see, the devil has no problem with busy churches. The devil's not trying to stop churches from being busy. 
as long as they are not doing what God has given them to do. Which is to make disciples. And I think this is true for our own personal lives. It's wonderful to be busy as long as we're being productive. It's wonderful to be busy with the work of God's kingdom. But if we are just busy, maybe we're not achieving what God has called us to do. What are we busy with? What's consuming our lives? I was reading through Isaiah and came across this chapter in, 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 in Isaiah chapter 52. Isaiah is an Old Testament prophet. The first part of the book is, is, is pretty doom and gloom. <laughs> Judah and Israel have wandered away from God. They've been influenced by all the heathen nations and become exiled. Some of them have. The, the latter part of the book actually is, is much more uplifting and talks about that journey back into God's presence. And in this particular chapter, verse chapter 52, what the prophet is, is talking about is that journey back into God's presence. And he identifies with these people and says, you have been so busy with things, but you've not been productive. You've been spending money on what is not bread. You've been laboring on what does not satisfy. Listen. Listen to me. Eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. My friends, as Christians, we can be really busy, especially here in Korea. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> now, don't say amen because that means so let it be. Yeah, we don't want that to be the case. Busy is okay as long as we're busy with what God has called us to do, which is to bring his kingdom into the lives of as many people as we possibly can. Here at the nations, the vision that God has given us is very clear. It is crystal clear. Here is our vision statement that we want to demonstrate God's love for people so that every believer can experience freedom in Christ Jesus. The strength of the Holy Spirit daily and the joy and fulfillment that comes when we are busy with God's purpose for our life. That is our vision statement. Freedom, strength, purpose. Everything that we do is fulfilling that vision. Our mission out of that vision is this. We're reaching the lost. Those that are lost in sin. Those that are without God right now. Our mission is to reach them. We're reaching the lost. We're raising obedient followers of Jesus Christ, disciples. And we are busy equipping those followers, the saints. What for? Work of ministry. This is not a, 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 a one-man or a three-man or a six-man church. This is a church 
where every member is a minister. There is a purpose that God has designed for you. What is it, pastor? I'm glad you asked. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. And you don't have to be a special gifting or calling to do that. You just have to do it. Is your vision clear? Do you know what God has given you to do? Do you know what God is working in your life right now? Do you know these things? Do you know where God is leading you? The Bible says in the Old Testament that people who don't have a clear vision perish. I was reading a report some months ago. It was a, it was a, a medical report. And it is now agreed and proven that people who have no purpose, no vision in life, are those who experience most sickness. How about that? I didn't say that. That's, that's a medical report. That's just one aspect of how we can become so lethargic and, and even depressed when we do not know what God has given us to do. I want to challenge you this morning, every single one of you, do you know God's vision for your life and are you fulfilling it? Are you pursuing it? Or are you kind of wandering through life? Maybe pursuing your own pursuits. Following your own dreams. Oh my friend, pursue the dreams that God has for you. Follow the vision that he has cast for you. Experience the joy and the fulfillment that comes by doing what God has called you. To do, And you may say, Pastor, I could never be like Peter. I could never take someone by the hand who is lame and say, get up, because Jesus is healing you. I could never sit with a married couple who are on the verge of divorce and speak life and hope and healing into their relationship. I don't even know if I could speak face to face with an unbeliever and share my testimony with them. Yes, you can. I said, yes, you can. Because God has called us to do it. And listen, God never gives us things to do which he does not give us the ability to do. He never gives us a vision without the provision. You may feel empty. You may feel unable. You may feel weak. You may feel inadequate. I say good, good, good and good. Because at those times is when we be, begin to depend on God. It wasn't, if you read the story of Peter and John after they had he healed that man. They said, we didn't do anything. But it was in Jesus' name that this man is healed. You see, they knew the power of the name of Jesus. The authority that is in that name over that sickness. 
And they stepped out. They stepped out. And they brought the kingdom of God into that man's life. Jesus and his disciples were walking through Samaria. It, it got near, near food time. The disciples went into, into a nearby city to get some McDonald's. And Jesus stayed by the well. And he met this woman of Samaria. I 